listener-supported community radio, KBOO Portland. From applicant tracking systems to chatbots to facial recognition, artificial intelligence is transforming our world for the better and also for the worse. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. for The Imaginary Possible, a show that looks at the captivating potentials and the troubling realities of artificial intelligence today. Only on KBOO Community Radio, KBOO 90.7 FM in Portland. Can't get good reception of KBOO on your radio? Just type in www.kboo.fm on your PC or laptop and click on Listen Live. We're just a mouse click away. I'm out to sing songs. It'll prove to you that this is your world and that it has hit you pretty hard and knocked you down. For a dozen loops, no matter how hard it's run you down and rolled over you, no matter what color, what size you are, how you're built, I am out to sing the songs that will make you take pride in yourself. I'm Lori Sonnenfeld. And I'm Don Jacobson. Together we bring you Moving On, Fridays from 12 noon to 1.30. We feature both traditional and contemporary folk music. We love to present live in-studio concerts from local and national musicians. Tune in and you'll hear music that is socially progressive, moving, and heartfelt. Music heard only on the left-hand edge of the dial and only on KBOO. Every Friday, noon to 1.30. We who believe in freedom Hello. Welcome to the Coalition Black Trade Union segment of Labor Radio. Celebrated here on KBOO 90.7 FM, highlighting the works of the working class, by the working class, and for the working class, where the heart of the community comes alive seven days a week. My name is Tina Turner Morfitt. I'm the current president of the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists and the vice president of the Oregon AFSCME Retiree Chapter. I'm a retired public employee after working 38 years for the Department of Corrections. My union representation was through Oregon AFSCME. Hello, I'm Dr. Audrey Terrell. I am the vice president of the Oregon Coalition of Black Trade Unionists. I'm also retired from the International Staff, UAW, International Women's Department, and the President and CEO of the Dr. Audrey Terrell Institute. Good evening, listeners. My name is Deborah Hall, 
And I'm the current secretary treasurer of the Oregon Coalition of Black Trade Unionists. I'm also a retired member of the American Federation of Teachers, that's AFT, Local 3922, which is the classified union at Portland Community College and past president. And currently I'm serving in the city of Vancouver, Washington as a commissioner on the Civil Service Commission. Thank you and welcome to the show. Tonight, we're pleased to invite to our show, Senator James Manning, Oregon State Senator from District 7. And so I have the kickoff here. Um, Senator Manning, first off, I would like to welcome you to our show, and we are very honored to have you with us. Thank you so much. It is indeed an honor for me to be here. I'm excited to be with you. All right. All right, listeners, we got some good stuff for you. And so, Senator Manning, I'm just going to start here with our first um, questions. And can you share with our listeners the district that you're currently representing? Sure. I uh, I represent Senate District 7 in the state of Oregon. That's northwest Eugene and down to the beautiful community of Anita. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. And how long have you served in this district? I was appointed to serve the people of Senate District 7 in December 2016. I began my first legislative session in 2017. Mm-hmm. So it's been about seven, about seven, I'm going on eight years now, close to it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Our information reflects that your election is a product of when one door closes, another opens. Can you explain that concept to our listeners? I tell you, God is great, isn't he? I ran for a House District seat, and I worked really hard to uh, to win that seat, but then I lost. The same month that I lost, I was asked if uh, if there was a potential that the current seat that I have was going to become available, and if I would seek it. I said I would, and here I am. Nice. And um, since you entered the legislature, how many bills have you sponsored? You know, I had my staff actually research this, and I find out that I sponsored or coached sponsored 124 bills, and I regularly sponsored 242 bills for a total of 366 bills. That have all been signed into law. Hi. Wow. That's awesome. That is, wow. The folks that you represent should be, I'm proud you're down there doing the work for your folk and um, for our state. That's awesome. Awesome. So in all of your, your bills and things that you sponsored, are there any standouts that gave particular focus on what you want to accomplish in the legislature? Well, actually... There are a number. Uh, I've done a lot of bills that, uh, for example, Senate Bill 420, that expands apprenticeship uh, uh, work here in our state through community benefits agreements that will impact all of the trades uh, throughout the state of Oregon. That is a big deal. But I also, at one time, after the murder of George Floyd, I co-chaired the transparency in policing and use of force reform. Under that measure, I did a lot of bills. One is prohibiting junk hole by law enforcement, and I expanded that to include corrections officers, 
probation parole officers, anyone that had the authority to restrict anyone's movement is now banned in orchid law. We did a bill in the 2017 session, as soon as I got there, that prohibits the use of private prisons in our state of Oregon. You know, I, as a former police officer and uh, penitentiary corrections officer, I see in Missouri now, I see how the imbalance and the representation of some of these bills, laws that we have, that were designed to keep or suppress minorities, blacks, over frivolous laws. And my intent was to remove those, but more importantly, to make sure that everyone had a seat at the table, the unhoused, the homeless, making sure that we had not minimum wage jobs, but living wage jobs. There you go. Wow. I'm really excited hearing um, all this work because I don't currently live in Oregon. And so it, it's nice to hear that, that my home state is, um, you know, has folks that are actively serving and are looking out for a wide range of, of members in the area. And so my um, final question here for me is, since 2019, you've served on 11 committees, some of which included Joint Ways and Means, the Senate Conduct, Senate Rules Committee, others included Veterans and Emergency Preparedness, Senate Health Care and Human Services, Mental Health and Recovery. Are your committee assignments reflective of your personal transition of your goals to ease the everyday issues that Oregonians experience day to day? You know, that is a great question. All of my committee assignments that I've had the honor to be a part of Senate Judiciary, for example, these committees are about life-changing issues. You know, how do we correct the past that has unjustly prevented people from even owning their own homes? These committees that I have been privileged to be on, for example, number of task forces. One task force is a task force to address racial disparities in home ownership. We know that uh, building or creating generational wealth is a cornerstone of all of our societal ills that uh, not all of us have had the luxury of experiencing over the years. So yes, I believe that all of the committees that I have been privileged to be on and move substantial meaningful legislation is something that's personal. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm going to pass on Audrey. This is, yes, this is Dr. Audrey. Before moving on to SB 1089, Senator Manning, you have a stored history of community service as a correction officer and police officer. You've been a railroad special agent, a private investigator, and you've served in the United States Army in 1983 and served as military diplomat to the Australian and New Zealand Defense Forces, uh, U.S. Army Assistant Inspector General and Garrison Community NCO and Chief Administrator, Administrator Supervisor of United States Army Southern Command. And you have a 24-year history of active service in the United States Army. How did you end up in Eugene, Oregon? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Terrell, thank you for that question. You know, when I completed my last overseas assignment, that was to the Australian New Zealand Defense Force mm -hmm. that you 
had mentioned, my intentions was to return to America. My unit, burn unit, was in D.C., Fort Bell, or Virginia, the Army Material Command. I was going to retire in the D.C. area, take off my uniform and put on a civilian attire and make three times as much money as I was making active duty for doing something similar but less stressful. The Army, on the other hand, had other ideas for me. They decided that I needed to go back to Fort Lewis, Washington, which is now Joint Base Lewis McCord. Uh, I had a unit that they asked me to train up, and it was a deplorable unit. I trained them up. They shipped to Iraq. My unit returned 100%, no casualties, no loss. I was very blessed. Mm-hmm. I retired out of Fort Lewis, but then as I was retiring during my transition, it occurred to me, military retirement pay only pays your mortgage. So my family needed luxury things like food, you know, a place to stay. Well, I had to get a job. Mm-hmm. And I was offered several jobs at the transition, which called the ACAP, Army Career and Alumni Program. And the one that stuck out to me was Warehouser. They offered me three positions. The best position they offered me was as an assistant plant manager at Warehouser in Eugene. So I told my wife, uh, at the time, I'm going to get that job. She took off work. She said, I'm going with you. We went to Eugene. It was about a six-hour interview. Oh. I finished up. I got back, got a phone call saying that, hey, we'd like to offer you this job. So that's how I got to Eugene. And when we got to Eugene, we found out that the people there were so nice. It is a beautiful city a lot of helpful people and we just fell in love with it mm-hmm. nice wonderful so wow. while selling in eugene oregon two oregon governors exp- have expressed confidence in your abilities to govern whereby you serve three consecutive terms as the chair of the oregon commission of black affairs I found out that I was only supposed to serve two consecutive terms. <laughs> and when I was in my third consecutive term as the chair of Commission Black Affairs, I got appointed to the Senate, and and then they kicked me off of the, uh, the Black Affairs because I was a legislator. I'm like, I've never been fired for doing volunteer work before. Right. <laughs> Well, there are other community service jobs. You included serving six years as a member of the city of Eugene Police Commission, a member of the Eugene Water and Electric Board, and as a volunteer uh, mediator for Lane County Circuit Court Small Claims Department. At what point did you decide to serve in the Oregon State Legislature? You know, I am a poor kid. I grew up poor from St. Louis. I know what it's like to be a survivor, you know, going to school, no food. One of those kids that, you know, nobody had any high hopes or aspirations for, you know, one that there were three roads for me growing up. One, being strung out on drugs, 
in jail or dead. Those were the options I saw for my future. But again, God had a plan for me. He said, not this one. So he equipped me. He equipped me with education. I hold an associate's degree in law enforcement. I hold a bachelor's degree in criminal justice administration, a master's in organizational leadership, a master's in leadership, a master's in science and leadership. And I'm working on my doctorates. So there is, he made sure that I was equipped and there's nothing that can be challenged about that. But what I never forgot is that I need to not work for me. I need to work for those that were struggling, those that are experiencing what I grew up with. I go and I see kids living out of bars, waiting on a bicycle racks in the morning to get their first meal of the day because it's there. I did a bill as soon as we got there that prohibited meal shaming in the state of Oregon, which means that every child from early learning through K-12, you're going to Oregon public schools, you eat from the exact same hot menu as any other kid, regardless of ability or inability to pay, because hunger should not be a barrier to learning or education. Oh, oh wonderful. I see why where you are, where it's the person you are. Exactly, you're the man. The person, yes, the person. I pick cotton so I know the feeling of what you, the things you want to do and what you want to do with your life. The representation of the Oregon State Legislature has become more diverse over the years. How would you describe your initial introduction of being a man of color armed with a demonstrative commitment of community service? Well, you know, when I got there, there were Senator Jackie Winters, Senator Lou Fredericks, and I made the third uh, black uh, state senator. On the House side, we had Representative Janelle Bynum, who was the only black African-American on the House side. When I got there, I didn't think of terms of, you know, my skin pigmentation or my outward appearance. I was there on a mission to serve the people of Oregon. I did it 24 years active duty military. I fought a lot of other, you know, discriminations and things like that. I experienced a lot of that, but that did not deter me. That me that only made me stronger will to see that I stood up for all organizations. And when I say all, I stress that I want everybody to know this is not about black. This is not about white, green, yellow. This is about what is right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. Senator Manning, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, oh, yes. Thank you. I would like to remind our listeners, they're listening to the Coalition of Black Trade Unionist segment of Labor Radio, highlighting the works of the working class, by the working class, and for the working class, here on KBOO 90.7 FM, where the heart the community comes alive seven days a week. So Senator Manning, with the time we have left, I'd like to focus on health care. Can you give us a summary of your activities in this venue? Absolutely. Again, growing up poor, I am reminded that when I first went to college, 
I had to use a public clinic because I didn't have any health insurance. I was just blessed that it was there for me. When I left and all of my overseas tours of duty, I experienced health care in other countries, other nations. I have visited and seen health care in Panama and South America, where I've seen people that are so ill, if you didn't have family members, you just sat out in the hallway and hoped that someone came by and rendered aid to feed you or family to bathe you, things like that. And then I was privileged to serve in Australia, where they have universal health care. I visited our neighbors to the north and see that they had universal health care. And when I got back in 2005 from my last overseas assignment, I get back and see that here we are still struggling. People are waiting until they're gravely ill before they go to the, the emergency room. And they're using the emergency rooms as their primary care providers. And, stuff. and we say that we are the beacon of light, the greatest country in the nation. And we had so many people starving out on the streets, cannot afford uh, health care. And those that can still have to be careful because if they are, if they aren't, they can drain all of their life savings and they'll wind out on the street. So many things going wrong. It really breaks my heart when I see this and we make all of these claims and we find out that there is a 2%, the 2% that really don't care. They already got theirs and they want everybody else's. So when I got, when I went into the Senate, my good friend, Senator Dembro, he had a uh, universal health care bill, 2007, and he brought it to my attention. He said, James, he said, I got this universal health care bill. I know you've been talking about it. You know, you want to coach he sponsored this bill with me. And I'm like, yes, no question. And the, it, it didn't make it at first time, but we brought it, I brought it back again. And the next time I brought it back, it was in a form of a task force. And it was a lot of work to get the task force together to do it, but they were excellent in their work. They came back with a comprehensive findings about really thick, thicker than two dictionaries. And they even looked at an actuary in New York. They asked the actuary who compared our universal healthcare system here. Currently, we, Oregon, we lose a billion dollars a year in healthcare related costs and expenses, and not everyone is covered. Under my bill, under my plan, everybody will be covered. There's no co-pays, no out-of-pocket, vision screening, hearing aids, uh, dental, all of those things will be covered, and we will save about a billion dollars a year. Uh, did I say everybody will be covered? Yes. This is an opportunity. So I'm really excited about this. And can I say one little other piece? But I am the current Senate President Pro Tem uh, and serving my second consecutive term. The first time I ran, I was elected on a bipartisan vote. Nice. This year, when I ran again, I was elect, re-elected unanimously. So even my Republican colleagues feel uh, the honesty and trustworthiness and the integrity of mine is something that they can even support. I, it's not about me, it's about serving the people. 
Wonderful. Yes. Senator, thank you for the Reader's Digest version of Senate Bill 1089, because that was a question that I had in mind. Um, but I'd like to ask you, I'd like to ask you, can you elaborate a little more on exactly what it is this bill is supposed to do? Thank you. Uh, Senate Bill 1089, uh, it was hard work to move it forward and we got it done. We got it done because I, I work with my Senate colleagues, Republicans, and you know, they had some concerns that they were dealing with. I worked hard and I addressed all of those concerns. So when the bill actually came out of Senate healthcare, it was on a unanimous vote. So what the bill does, the bill, you hear to talk about it, keep government out of our health care. Well, I guess that will depend on whose health care we're talking about. You know, when you want to uh, take women's uh, uh, health care related uh, uh, issues and stuff, and you want to make them a government affair. So that in itself means that there are still two types of health care systems. So what what Senate bill, so taking government out of healthcare, what we did with 1089, SB 1089, is that it's not under OHA, it's not going to be up under the Oregon Health Authority. We moved it to the business, uh, Commission of Business uh, for the state of Oregon, because now it is about insurance. Mm -hmm. It is an insurance. I characterize it as the Affordable Care Act on steroids for our state because it has so many benefits that every Oregonian uh, will will get. And so it puts together a governance board under the Commission of Business in the state and for them to, because it has to be a house somewhere. So since it is insurance, and they do regulate insurance industry. It seems like the most viable, appropriate place for it. What it would do is it will it establishes a nine-member uh, governance board, and it often directs the hiring of an executive director and staff. The timeline for this is not going as fast as I want it to go, but it is right now. Once the appointments take place, and the governor will appoint the nine board members and they will hire the executive director and staff. Once that's done, they will have the work that was done by the task force uh, as a guide, but there are other things they're gonna have to do. Again, remember it's insurance. Now that's gonna be coming back and they will have to come back with a comprehensive report and suggestions and here is Oregon's pathway to establish a universal healthcare system all single payer for the state of Oregon. I've carried it uh, as far as I could because now it is it will be in the hands of uh, a governor's board. I will still be there. I'm not going anywhere because this is my gift to the state of Oregon. I told people when I first began this journey, I put all my eggs in the basket for this because Oregonians deserve quality health care and no one deserves to go bankrupt because they cannot afford health care. 
you know, Senator, I can't think of a better note to end on but that one. So again, we would like to thank you very much for giving us the ins and outs. And we here at CBQ anticipate this healthcare problem is going to be a continuing one. And so we, I'm telling you in advance, we're going to be coming back to you to see how things are going, okay? Please, I will. This is a priority of mine. Oregonians deserve it. America deserve it. That's All right. eyes are on Oregon. Yes. What an honor to, to speak with you, Senator Manning. I've just, I'm encouraged, and I, we need you in the White House. <laughs> Come on now. Yes. Yes. I just want to wrap up and say the Coalition of Black Trade Unions, we meet the second Tuesday of every month at 6 p.m. We have suspended our face-to-face -face meeting and are utilizing Google Meets to conduct our monthly meetings. Our next meeting will be held January the 9th, 2024. Look for us at the 2024 celebration of Dr. King's life at the Highland Community Christian Center on January the 15th, 2024 for the 39th annual Keep Alive the Dream. The event is located at 7600 Northeast Gleason Street in Portland. Also, keep a look out on our Facebook page for the announcement of program events highlighting Black Excellence in our Salute to Black History Month in February. We've got a busy 2024. The major focus of our program will be to highlight health care and will feature town hall panels, a face-to-face -face movie night, guest interviews, and I hope it's someone we just talked to, and a tribute to notable Black leaders who paved our road to progress in the labor movement. Wow, this has been really exciting. Yes. Yes, it has. And so, folks, our email address is orcbtu10, and that's the number 10, at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Please join us in our evolving adventure of representing Black union workers. And thank you once again, Senator Manning, for giving us a detailed accounting of Oregon's road to progress to achieve an accessible health care system. You may have me moving back to Oregon so I can get some Manning care. Good <laughs> for Manning care. All right. All right, everyone. And that is a wrap for Holler for Labor. Thank you. Everybody be safe and have a, have a happy new year. Goodman, host of Democracy Now!, you're listening to KBU 90.7 FM. Come inside, take a seat. Long last we finally meet. Know that you heard my name. I'm your guy through prison. It's a big boy game. You're listening to Prison Pipeline here on KBOO Community Radio. And today we are talking with 
Buzzy Martin. Buzzy, welcome to Prison Pipeline. Happy holidays, Emma. It's, I'm very humbled to be on your show. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's so great to have you on. Um, so you have 